in the end, when all is said and done, I just want to be there with my family, right? That's what one good friend recently told me. Isn't that what we all want, though? To feel loved, to give love, and to live our lives in such a way that we can be together forever in heaven with our families. Teaching our children about Jesus Christ is an important part of reaching that goal. But there are lots of problems we run into as we try to teach them. Things like, how do I get my kids to stop bouncing around and pay attention? I don't have time or energy for Come Follow Me study. Oh, I really struggle with daily scripture study. How do I teach older kids and younger kids at the same time? I don't know how to create a good lesson. My kids don't like being at home with us. How do I get my kids to answer my questions or talk back to me? You can probably relate to some of those questions. Today, we want to present you with a new framework, a new way to think about things. We want to tell you the three pillars, the three things that you need to focus on to create your own strong and converted family. Welcome to the My Teaching Matters podcast, where our mission is to help you, the intentional parent, to teach your children in such a way that they can personally experience the power of Jesus Christ while still at home. Welcome, everybody. My name is Lindsay Jensen, and I am here with my mom and co-host, Leslie Johnson. Hi, everybody. So, mom, can you introduce the question we have today? Yeah, today we're actually going to go back to the basics almost, and we are going to talk about how do I create a strong, converted family? I think that that's kind of the underlying thing that we're all striving for is to have a family that is strong and cohesive and that we're going to be able to live together forever. I mean, we talk about that, but how do we actually do that? That's a great question. I love this question. And mom, this episode's kind of been one that's been in the making for a long time. Something that we've been um, really pondering a lot about and thinking about and praying about and working towards, um, because the church talks a lot about creating strong, converted families. The the church is very helpful in that. Um, But we've also been trying to think of a way that we could describe it or a new way of thinking about it, a new framework for people to think about this to help them really do it maybe a little bit more intentionally. Right. 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 Because as as um as we work on this, you know, they say that we need to have strong families, that we should have this sin-resistant generation. But the hard part is is the how, in my mind. It's, it's hard to kind of take all this information that you're given at different points in time and kind of consolidate it into a, a plan. Like, okay, so that's exactly what I want, but how can I do that? And, and so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is maybe kind of some of the, the um underlying framework that we need to understand and to kind of work on in order for that to to happen. So as we think about becoming converted, um, in my mind, the biggest problem that I have is like, okay, being converted is like an individual thing. It's not something that I can give my kids. It's not something that I can, um, you know, just pop in their bowl of cereal in the morning and, you know, after a week's time, they're going to be converted. I mean, just doesn't work that way. Um, And so how can I, as a a parent, help them learn something that is an individual thing that I can't necessarily give them, and yet I'm supposed to help them? Um, 
We kind of have to become converted ourselves, but it doesn't mean that we have to do it alone. And that's what I love is because God's that I believe that that's why God's plan includes families. Um, and, and we are commanded as parents to teach our children and to help our children become converted. And so while it is an individual thing, it's not something that we have to do by ourselves. It's something that we are supposed to help each other and support each other and encourage each other in our journey to do this. So how do we do it? That's, I think, the question. Um, what we've kind of done here I think as Lindsay and I have been thinking about this and trying to figure out a framework for us, is we have tried to create a framework for how we can use this home-centered gospel learning and teaching to help our families become converted to the Savior. And this framework consists of three main points that are going to form a triangle. Yeah, so let me talk briefly about kind of why we chose this framework or what the, the beneficial of this framework is. So we call them our pillars. So there's three three pillars that we're going to talk about today um, that we think are essential for creating these strong converted families. Um, and these three pillars, well, first of all, you, let's think about a triangle and you have each of the pillars are going to be in each of the corners of the triangle, right? And you can think of how that triangle is going to uh, create a platform, right? And so I have a degree in in physics and in, in teaching as well, actually a master's in teaching. But the, the idea is in physics, you'll learn that you need three different points to create a plane, right? Or to create a platform. Think of something, if you want something flat, you need at least three points to help make it, it flat. And that's what these pillars do. And if you have one pillar that's too high, you can imagine how your plane or your platform is going to be tilted, right? Your triangle now is going to be tilted and you're going to fall. Your family's going to fall off this platform, and that's not what you want, right? You need all three pillars or sections of this triangle to be strong, to be sturdy, to be working on so that all three are strong so that your family can be on this pillar kind of rising up higher and higher together. Does that make sense, Mom? That, that, does, that, make, that does make sense. The other thing that I think about a triangle is that um, triangles are used a lot um, in in architecture, when when an architecture when an architect wants to make something really strong, like a bridge or or something, he uses triangles um, to help make that stable and strong. And so, what I what I as I was thinking about this, I I learned that triangles are actually one of the strongest shapes that are out there. And as I thought about that, I thought, man, I love the analogy of using a triangle because. I want my family to be strong and stable against all those outside forces. And so as we think about the pillars that are going to hold our triangle up, um, the, if, we can, if we can get those uh, pillars to be um, all the same height and all the same strength, we're going to have a very, very strong structure to help our family deal with outside forces as they as forces are placed upon our family we're going to stay strong because we have that strong foundation yeah that's exactly right um yep i love that triangles are you're right triangles are used all the time in, in uh in engineering for for strength and any activities you do with kids that are going to involve building something you want to encourage them to make triangles right no matter whether it's out of popsicle sticks and marshmallows 
you want triangles, right? Because that's going to be the strongest. You're exactly right. So let's talk about now for our family, though, what are the three points on our tri triangle, right? What are those three pillars um, in each of those corners that we need to start building up? Okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. So let's let's talk about the base of our triangle. We need to have a strong base. So there's two main points at the <clears throat> base of our triangle that are going to give us our, our foundation. The first of that is is consistency. If we're not consistent in doing these things, if we're not consistent in, in following through on our things, it doesn't really matter what else we do. It's, it's all going to be irrelevant, right? If we're not, um, if we just do it occasionally with a hit here and a hit there, um, it's not really going to, to take us anywhere. The second is content. If what we're teaching is not presented in a meaningful way, again, it's really not going to have any value to our family. So you can talk and talk and talk till you're blue in the face, but if it's not meaningful to your children, it's not going to stick. It's not going to build them. So these two points of consistency and content are, are going to give us our base. And then from there, we're going to connect up to the pinnacle of the triangle. And that pinnacle is culture, in specific, our family culture. So what do we want our family culture to be? And having a plan of what we want our family to become and, and the culture that we want to have is important if we want to actually get there. So the, the plan to create that family culture is really, really important. And there's certain uh, familial cultures that are going to help lead to this conversion than others. And so we want to make sure that we are creating a culture where this type of conversion can, can thrive. I love that. Um, yeah. So just again, let's reiterate those three points. So you have at the bottom, you have consistency and content. You need to be consistent. You have to have meaningful content taught in a way that's interesting and meaningful right and the other thing though that you need is this idea of of culture where your family feels loved where your family feels um like what they say is important where they want to be together right that's the kind of family we all want and that that culture is key to making that happen right uh, so so with that let's maybe dive into those a little bit more in depth um and so like let's let me maybe ask you a question, mom. If I, my family is struggling to have weekly family home evening or come follow me study, or maybe we really can't just get our daily scripture study in, where should I be focusing my efforts? Which pillar do I need to be focusing on? Well, that's, I think, pretty self-explanatory, but that would be consistency. We would need to spend our time focusing on becoming consistent to establishing those habits that are going to allow us to take advantage of these other um, points or the other pillars that we want to strengthen. So the very first step is just consistency. When you're trying to create a strong converted family, you have to have the systems in place that will make it easy for you to teach your children. So I love that. That I'm just going to reiterate real fast, mom, that idea of systems. You want to put systems into place that then make it easy because right. if we have to keep putting more effort into it and if it's like Anyway, it becomes really hard and draining really fast. But if you can create a system so that it's just part of who your family is, that's just what your family does, um, then it becomes much simpler. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons that consistency breaks down for a lot of people is because um, <clears throat> they haven't used proper systems to try to, to make it work. Um, when you put a system in place, it really does um, free things up so that 
that you can focus on other things. And, and so the systems are really important. And the systems that we're talking about here are your regular come follow me study, your family home evenings, your scripture study, um, even even the consistency of of creating a theme. We've talked a lot about themes and how that can help uh, free up some time and help you be more um, focused on your teaching. Um, even that consistency is something that that we can be focusing on. But but I think that many of our listeners are kind of have those systems in place. They've they've um, done what the church has kind of um, been asking us to do for a while now and having family scripture study and family home evening and and then recently trying to do this come follow me. So maybe you are already doing all of those systems. So I want you to think a little bit more that there's some other areas of consistency that that can really help that maybe we don't often think about. And one of those is helping create a vision for our family, leading them to um, by the questions that we ask or the things that we invite them to do and then following through on some of those um, activities or the invitations that we have. If we are consistently um, following through and following up on the invitations that we've given, that sets a culture of improvement, right? And so this consistency and this content are going to help us create a culture. Um, But just that uh, consistency of, if I'm going to ask my kids to work on something, I better be willing to follow up and make sure that I ask about that so that it's not a, what's the opposite? I mean, I'm thinking of a blind threat, but it's not a threat. It's the opposite of that. You know, it's just, it's not a, no, it's not meaningful. Right. It's not meaningful. It's not, it's just a, just words. Okay. We want to take it from just being words to consistently following up and asking them, okay, so last week you said that you were going to try to be kinder to your sisters. How did that go for you? What did you learn from that? And those kind of follow-up questions as we consistently do that will help us consistently change. Yeah. Well, and I think um, consistently like improving yourself Right. Mm. I think that that's a big thing, too, that you're consistent. You just have to be consistent in improving and becoming that family that you want to be. Um, Right. So, Mom, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at this list and, you know, all of us are at different points on this journey. Right. All of us have different. Absolutely. Abilities. And and it can be kind of overwhelming to think, oh, I have to do scripture study and family home evening and come follow me lessons and be following up and be doing my own personal study, let alone family study. Right. What? That's that's kind of really overwhelming. So how do you think about this pillar of consistency without being overwhelmed? That is such a good question, because that is, I think, particularly as women, we have a tendency to think that we have to do it all and we have to do it all now and we have to do it all now well. And that is just not the case. And so I I like to look at this as kind of a hierarchy. You start with just having family home evening. Or you start with just having scripture study and you start small and then you you move from there. Um, I think it's, it's as mothers, we have so many different hats, but we can only wear one hat at a time. If we start trying to pile on all those different hats at once, we look silly and we don't accomplish anything. Those hats have no value. So in this um, 
area, if we are focusing on consistency, if we feel like, you know what, this is where I need to to spend my time and my energy, we need to think of ourselves as pioneers. Um, because we, what we're doing at this stage is we are doing something new. We're creating a legacy to leave behind in our with our children, but that takes time, right? That takes um, somebody leading out. It takes you to take the initiative and to break new ground. And each new generation should be pioneers in building the foundation of their own, or building on the foundation from their own childhood, and then pushing those boundaries to become something bigger and better. So you you just can't do everything at once. It has to be line upon line. So for example, in my family, my mother grew up in a home where her parents were not active in the church, um, but she loved church and she wanted to be a part of that. So she would walk to church every week with her friend. She would meet up with her friend and they would walk to church together. Um, when she became a parent, she made sure that we all went to church as a family every week. That was not negotiable. We just went to church. So I grew up going to church every week, but reading our scriptures as a family was not really something that we did on a daily basis. I felt that it was really important. It's something that I wanted to do with my family. So as a mother, I helped my family become consistent at daily scripture study. So now let's look at Lindsay. Lindsay is my daughter. She grew up in my family having daily family scripture study. But our family home evening lessons were, because I didn't know any better, were mostly me talking and preaching and there was very little interaction and discussion. And now as a, a mother, Lindsay, um, you know, having consistent family home evening is not a problem for her, but she has learned the power of active learning and including her kids in the learning experience and using everyday experiences to help her teach the gospel. And she's pioneering a better way. And to be honest, I'm a little bit jealous that I didn't have that understanding when I was a mother. But what's so exciting is that um, over time, we can do these things. So in the role of a pie, oh, go ahead. Let, let me just jump in, Mom. It's, um, I think that's a fantastic example where you go from your grandmother who didn't go to church to your mother who consistently went to church to you who then grew up your family or taught your family to have daily scripture study. And now me being able to expand on that even more and have more effective rather than just reading the scriptures, we're actually, you know, applying the scriptures to our lives. Right. Right. And it's, um, and I think that's so important. This identity saying, I want to be a pioneer, not thinking that you need to be doing family scripture study and personal scripture study and family home evening and come follow me and um, family prayer and doing family history work and your calling and right, you make that list. That's not what you need to be thinking. You need to instead be taking on the identity of I am a pioneer and I'm going to help my family be stronger and I'm going to create a legacy that improves upon where I've been and I'm just going to take this pillar and make it grow a little bit. It doesn't need to be all the way to the top yet. I need to help it be a little bit taller. Um, yeah. And that's that's freeing to say, oh, this is where I'm at. And that's okay. I'm going to be a pioneer and I'm going to make this better so that my kids have something to build upon. And I would add, mom, that, I mean, you say that when you taught us 
when I was growing up with Family Home Evening, that it was mostly you talking and preaching, which is true. But that changed over the years. By the time I was in high school, there was a little bit less of that. By the time I left the house, there was significantly more of that. <laughs> right. right. And, and, and doing that with your younger. And, and so it's not just in generations, but it also happens over time in your own life and with your own family. Well, I think it's just be willing to take that time. Yeah, I think that as you consistently work on that and consistently. So so in my mind, as you were talking, Lindsay, I was thinking of, of building blocks and and just stacking one on top of the other. You can only do one block at a time, but but you can keep stacking and stacking and stacking. And it doesn't have to be, you know, somebody else might have already started with three blocks in their stack when you showed up. So you might be a little bit behind them, but it doesn't matter as long as you're stacking one on top of the other. And um, if you are focusing on this, it doesn't have to be just one thing that you did during your lifetime. Like Lindsay says, I've learned a lot about teaching over the years. And the way that I teach my younger children is different than the way that I taught my older children because I know something different now. I've changed. And that's what this whole um, thing that we're trying to do is to help you change and to, to create a a culture of consistent change and consistent improvement in your own homes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so the role, so when you think of this pillar of consistency, trying to be consistent with your family, think of yourself as being a pioneer and creating a legacy that leaves something for your children. That's even better than what you were given because we can build on each other, right? Yet anything, there's those quotes, anything I am is because I stand on the shoulders of giants and that's how I feel, right? It's because I stand on yours and dad's shoulders who stand on your parents' shoulders. I have great legacy to follow and I'm trying to build on that for my children. And if you think of that. Right, and if you come from a, a legacy that's maybe not quite as strong as someone else's, it doesn't matter. You have the ability no. to create your own legacy and to leave something for your children that maybe you didn't have. And that's what's so wonderful is that it doesn't have to be what you had. You can make it better for your kids. That's a legacy that, that, that as a pioneer, you can start and do now. Mm, I love it. So think of yourself as a pioneer when you think about that pillar of consistency. So that's one corner. Um, let me think of maybe some other problems that I that I hear about from my friends or from people when they talk about what they're struggling with. Um, I can't get my kids to sit still. How do I teach my older kids and my younger kids at the same time? Right? How do I teach effectively or how do I ask a good question? Right? Those are questions I hear all the time. What do I do with these toddlers? Right? Like, yeah, and that it's so hard. It is hard to know, you know, how do I reach them? Do they feel like they're unreachable this time? I can't get them to sit still. My teenagers just roll their eyes. You know, I mean, those are all just really good questions. How do I reach my my children if I want to to help them become converted? And so that comes under the pillar of content, what we teach, but also how we teach. So um, it's important when we think about content sometimes just brings up the idea of of what is in the the material that you're teaching but i want us to expand that to mean how we teach our kids so some of the things that that we would look out at under content would be you know how do i engage my kids in my lesson what is age appropriate how do i make it personal and and meaningful um what am I doing to invite my kids to act on gospel principles? 
Um, am I completing that learning cycle? We've talked a lot about that learning cycle, how you can't just have an experience or tell a story. You've got to complete that learning cycle and guide your children through all the steps so that it means something to them. Um, so as we, as we think about content, um, we want to put on the hat or have our identity be that of a guide. So if you think of a guide, a guide leads you, directs you, um, he points things out to you. Uh, I, I remember we had a, um, we went for a family vacation to Costa Rica, actually with, with the adults. So the adult siblings and their spouses all went to Costa Rica. And um, in the guidebook, guidebook, it says, when you go to this particular um, national park, you, you can just go through the park and look and try to see things. But if you were to hire a guide, um, it's so much, you get so much more out of it because they know where to find the certain animals. They know where to help you look to see things that you would, wouldn't necessarily see um, if you were just walking through. And so we did that. We decided that we wanted to, to spend the extra money to hire a guide and it made all the difference in the world. I mean, he showed us this really cool spider that had made this uh, spider web that I would have walked just right by. Um, he took us to the place where he knew that there were sloths hanging in the tree. I've never seen a sloth before, but this sloth, like he turned to his head and he smiled at me. It was like the most amazing thing ever. That was like the best <laughs> part of the trip to have this sloth <laughs> smile at me. <laughs> okay, So as we think of a guide, we need to think of how we can um, make these things are our lessons and our teaching meaningful to our kids so that we can guide them to see things that they might not see on their own um, through the questions that we ask through the invitations that we extend that help them to come to conclusions for themselves so this is where um, as guides we can help them have those experiences that will help them become converted because we can help create an environment that the Holy Ghost can testify in and bear witness of. Because remember, it's the Holy Ghost's responsibility. It's his job to testify and to teach. It's our job to present an environment in which the Holy Ghost can do that. And so while we can't give our kids a testimony, the Holy Ghost can do that for us. And so we have to think about how can I guide my children through an experience, through the lessons that I give that can create an opportunity for the Holy Ghost to teach them and to testify to them. Does that make sense? So, it does. Um, it does. Let me let me maybe talk about this in a different way. Oftentimes, so content, when you think of content, think of the lesson that you're teaching, right? This is how your lesson goes, basically. And when I think of lessons, I've been seeing two different types recently a lot. Well, there's, anyway, there's there's two extremes. One extreme is where the teacher just gets up and spews out all this information and talks about what we should know and what we should learn and expects you to now go home and you've retained it all, right? Um, that's one lesson that you can have. And sometimes that's our default. Like if you think of lecturing, you think of college. When you went to college, that's lecturing. That's what happened. You were expected to retain this information. If you needed more help, you could go to the textbook. Now you understand, right? Check. You got that degree. Mm -hmm. um, that's And sometimes that's our default way of teaching where we just talk to our kids and we expect them to do this. So you might think that the identity you want for content would be this of a teacher or a lecturer. 
Um, but that's not, but we've learned that that's not the most effective way, right? So the other type of teaching would be that I've seen recently is maybe on the other side where they give the youth, and this is particularly for like youth aged kids mm-hmm. as the church has been trying to, um, let the youth lead more. There's lots of, um, you know, we're giving the youth charge and we're saying, okay, youth teach this lesson. Okay. Youth plan this activity, um, which is awesome. And it's great, but sometimes they're just left floundering, right? They're walking through that forest without that guide right. showing them what to pay attention to and what to look for. And they're just walking through and it's good because they're learning to go on their own. But, um, if instead we can think, okay, we need to be in the middle. We need to act as a guide, not just let them go on their own and not just spew all this information at them, but instead try to guide them, help them, tell them where we're trying to go, help them know where we're trying to go. And maybe they can help choose. You say, do you want to go see the sloths? Do you want to go see the salamanders? Do you want to, like, where do you want to go? And then I can help t- lead you there. And I can point out all the interesting things at the way that's going to help you retain it. Right. And I guess that's that's why I love the idea of a guide. My role is not just to teach my children to have them know everything I know, nor is my role just to let my children lead the way and let them be in charge of everything. I need to take on the role of guide and help them make those connections on their own, help lead the way to where they're trying to get to, because I've been on this journey more longer than they have. Right. So I, I, as you were talking about that, Lindsay, that another thought came to them, my mind is that as a guide, um, you don't, you don't have to point out everything that, I mean, you, there might be times when you're walking through the forest that you don't see the sloth, or there might be times that, you know what, according to the amount of time that we have, we don't have time to go over and see the alligators. We're going to bypass that this time, but you can catch it next time you come around. So we also have to remember that being a guide doesn't mean showing everything and pointing out everything and overwhelming our, our audience, right? It's just pointing out or maybe helping them find where they want to go um, and guiding them along that path without um, maybe overwhelming them. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I can share an example of um, just this morning when we had scripture study. Yeah. And we are talking about, we've been talking this week about Captain Moroni. And um, I wanted to, so as my role as guide, when I think about the content of my lessons or of our scripture study, I don't want us just to be reading the scriptures. I want us to start applying it so that it changes who we are. So when I take on the role of pioneer and the role of guide, like I know that that's what I want my family to do, okay, is to change. And so I asked my my children, we were talking about Captain Moroni, and I says, well, you know, he he was fighting for things, right? And what, what, what was he fighting for? And they're like, well, these people were trying to come kill him. And I'm like, yeah, well, what kind of things that, can we fight for? And they're like, well, we can fight someone who's going to try to come kill us. It's like, well, true. <laughs> we could. Uh, do you know someone who's going to come kill us? It's like, <laughs> and they're like, no. <laughs> I'm like, well, me either. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't either. Um, but what are things that we can fight for? And we talked about the title of Liberty and they talked about how he was fighting for their freedom. And I said, okay, we recently made some Jensen values and and they're like yeah we can fight for or we it's important to us 
that we be hardworking and helpful and that we be bright and brave and creative and kind. And they have taken these identities that we've talked about and they just have every day they're mentioning them. Look, mom, we're being brave. And I'm like, awesome. Way to go, girls. Or look, I'm being creative. I'm being helpful. Right. They talk about it all the time. And they um, anyway, so as we were talking about Captain Moroni, we were able to then talk about how these Jensen values are something that we believe in, are things that are worth fighting for, worth putting effort into even though it's hard to sometimes be helpful when mom asks you to clean up and you're still playing, you can choose to, to do that, to fight for that, to become that person you want to become. Um, anyway, so that's an example of, of, the, the little, of a little story that we had this morning where, you know, as my role as guide, I tried to lead my kids to understanding that we can fight for things that we believe in. Um, and that conversation is going to have to continue. This one lesson was not enough, but I also now know that this one conversation is a great start. And as we continue this conversation throughout the month, um, it will become a part of who they are and it will help. Like they are going to be more and more excited about anything that helps them um, exemplify these Jensen values. So I love that story, Lindsay. That's a great story. And I was just thinking that one of the the things that I, I saw there is that um, I loved how you um, took the scriptures and made them meaningful to them. So, you know, in their literal minds, they were going to fight the people that were coming to kill them. You know, and you're like, well, I don't really know anybody who wants to do that. And, um, you know, so you're helping them take those scriptures, literal scriptures and putting into something that is that they understand that's meaningful to them. Oh yeah, I want to fight for being a Jensen. I want to fight for those Jensen values. And um, that's when we talk about content, that is what I think is the, the the focus of how can we take what we're trying to teach these kids and, and help make it meaningful to them. Because if it's meaningful, they're going to remember it. They're going to internalize it. It's going to be something that will stick with them. If it's not meaningful, it's just going to be like water off a duck's back. It doesn't mean anything to them. So it's not going to stick with them. So I think that as we focus on strengthening um, our what and our how of our teaching, that we can, it's going to be critical in our um, role to build strong converted families. And and actually, you know, that I think is kind of the principle that why we started this My Teaching Matters, because we personally, I just saw so many families that were becoming discouraged in their attempts to teach their children. And I think that it was because they didn't understand the fundamental principles of teaching, that the way that we teach matters in the outcome that we get. And as we come to understand these basic principles, it makes teaching so much more effective and so much easier and so much more meaningful. And so I think it's really important that we learn to use these fundamental pillars to help in our teaching so that it, it is effective. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, it can be really hard and really frustrating as a parent to think, I have these young kids and they're not paying attention to anything. They're bouncing off the walls. Yeah. Um, why am I wasting my time? And, and that's exactly why we created this podcast, was to help parents learn to navigate that. And so this is an overview of this idea of, of content. Um, right. And this idea of our identity being a guide, think of yourself as a guide, but we've actually created multiple podcast episodes where we've talked more in depth about certain aspects of this. So we have, um, 
a podcast episode about engaging our children. I think that's number three. Um, we have a podcast about asking good questions. That's number four. We have podcast about, um, oh, I don't remember now. We've, we've done lots. And so you can go back and look and you'll actually be able to see how lots of the podcast episodes that we've done in the past will fit in under one of these pillars um, because they're all important. But content seems to be one of our the most popular, one of the things that people want the most help with because it's just, it can be really hard it teaching your young children. Yeah. It's, um, so that's an, an overview and we're not going to go into more detail about that now just because there's too much to talk about. And, but, um, you can go back and listen to some of those other episodes and there will continue to be more in the future that talk about how we can create good content and both what to teach and how to teach, um, so that our children, it's meaningful to our families. Great. Yep. That is exactly it. So, okay. So I want to talk about the last pillar, mom, um, and maybe some of the problems or the, the, the things that we see, struggles that we might have indicating that we need to work on this pillar would be things like, um, I am working on consistently trying to use my systems. I'm getting better the way I teach, but I'm still struggling to relate the gospel to our daily lives. Or maybe, you know, my kids don't seem to enjoy being at home and participating with us, right? We're just kind of, our family is together, but we don't love being together. Mm. Um, and that kind of gets to the third pillar. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, mom? Yeah. So remember that third pillar has to, is um, culture. We want to focus on our family culture. And I will say that as we spend time um, consistently improving our content, so working on those two um, base angles, that they will help us create a culture. So it's going to become help us create a culture of asking questions. It's going to help us create a culture of, of learning and improving. And so those things are going to help create um, your culture. But um, there's also a... a point that I think that is worth bringing up. And that is if we really want to have a strong family culture, we need to focus on those things that will develop a strong family culture that will help us become converted. So there's a lot of things that we can do to develop family culture. Um, but are those things that we're spending time on and those things that we are working on, um, are they helping us create a culture that helps us convert our family. So as we think about how we're spending our time and where we're putting our efforts, we need to remember that we need to be giving equal or more time to our spiritual progress as we are to our physical and our mental and our um, social cultures. So just something to, to think about is where we're, where we're putting our, our time, because if we can put into place a culture that um, brings us closer and co helps us become more converted to our Savior, it's going to pay huge dividends in, down the road. Because a culture, so, again, Mom, is a system that we work within. Yeah. Um, so I do agree with that. But at the same time, I don't want us to neglect the idea of the physical and social culture that we're no. creating either. I, if I because if I implied that, I didn't mean to. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure that you did, but I just want to make sure that that's extra clear. That because even in the family proclamation, the, the proclamation on the family 
to the world. It talks about um, it talks about you know having recreational activities, right? Building your family on principles of faith, prayer, repentance, love, um, and wholesome recreational activities. That's in there. Yes. And I think that we need to, and we've talked about, you know, in previous episode and actually episode nine, we talk about creating a culture of discussion and conversation in our families, mm-hmm. um, which was actually a really fun episode to record and got some good feedback on. So if you're wanting to know how to create this culture, you should go back there. But in it, you talked about how, how Tyler, your my little brother who's 17, um, made the comment how if all you try to talk about is spiritual things he's like, I'm going to zone out. I don't want that. That's boring. <laughs> so so right? he said that. <laughs> that is absolutely true. I guess in my mind, when I was talking about that, what I was thinking is that I have a lot of friends who um, have a family culture of spending a lot of time dedicated to make to sports or to um, other activities, and they don't have enough time. They just don't have time to have family home evening. They don't have time to have these family discussions. They don't sit around the dinner table because they're going in so many different directions. So if the culture that you are creating in your family takes you away from the time that is needed for you to develop some of these other um, things, that's, I guess, is where it might be a problem. So I just, I totally believe- I love that. I think that's important. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say, I was trying to do it without- pointing fingers because I don't believe that that's I don't want to do that because I believe that all of those things are important I just think that we need to also recognize that we need to leave ourselves enough time to have discussions to be together as a family to spend time together as a family if we're so busy um, in so many different um, ways of going to so many different directions that there's family members all over the county or all over the state then then you're not together and you're not creating um, a family culture. Does that make sense? I just thought something that does to make be sense. aware and I, of. And I like that. And I think the point that we're both trying to make and that we can agree on is that we want to be intentional in our family culture. There you go. And oftentimes that does include sports, right? We mm. want to be a family that's sporty and active. And that's important to us. Yes. Um, not at the expense of also missing out on family scripture study or every day or um, some of these other things, right? But the point is that you be intentional because every family is going to look different. And, but you need to choose the culture that you want your family to have and make sure that it's, it's providing that physical stimulation, that it's providing that mental stimulation, that emotional, social stimulation, as well as your spiritual stimulation. It needs to include all of those things. And are you being intentional with your family culture? And is it meeting all of those requirements? Because we as humans, our spiritual beings, our physical beings, our social beings, and all of those are very important. Right. You just need to find a balance for all of them and to make sure that that there is balance and that there's not one that's, um, again, tilting your, your platform and throwing you off kilter right so you just need to make sure that there's yeah. balance and and i love the how you phrase that is just we're intentional okay we're, if we're going to do this i i know what i'm getting into and we're choosing to do this it's not just we're not letting it happen to us we're choosing to do it so that's that's the yeah. point that i wanted to make and i didn't say it very well so thanks for clarifying <laughs> well no i i don't i just i think that's an important discussion um so some of the other attributes in this area that i think are important as we talk about this idea of culture is that our family feels loved, right? If you look in um, in any teaching thing put out by the church, it talks about how your students, your classmates, your children 
need to feel that love, mm-hmm. right? Um, that Christ made everyone feel loved. And I think that's important, um, right? And when we think about teaching in such a way that family feels love, that falls under this culture bit, not necessarily the content, not necessarily the consistency. It falls under culture. Yes. Um, right. Some other things are asking questions and having discussions where people feel valued, that their input is important and valued. Um, having a culture of learning where you're constantly learning and growing together, um, a culture of strong relationships, um, you know, creating a place in your home where people want to be and people want to come home to. Um, I think that's so important. Um, I remember growing up and loving when we would do dates um, and as a teenager, mm-hmm. I'd often host them at our house because, Mom, you were so good at... Um, you know, we could go down in the basement. My All my little siblings would stay upstairs unless they were participating somehow, but they wouldn't necessarily bother us. But you would have a fun meal and you'd have a fun activity. And like everyone loved coming to our house because we just made it fun. Right. You even um, well, when Scott and I got married, that was something we talked a lot about was how we wanted to create a home where people wanted to be, where our family loved to be, where we were learning and growing and um and we could invite our friends over and we were, you know, we wanted to create a home where people were welcome and felt appreciated and where you could just enjoy being together. That was really, really important to us. I love that. And I think that that um, when you have those strong relationships with a family, um, that overpowers so many other things. I just know that I've seen those families who have those strong relationships. And if they do have a child that strays, um, they still feel loved and they still feel like they can come back. And I think that that is the greatest power that as parents that we have is to love our children. And that is God's power. And as we can, you know, create a home where they feel loved, where they want to be, where they want to bring their friends, um, that can go so far in helping our children want to be a a family forever. So I I really think that that is, is, is a really... You know, as you think about about how you want your family to to be, what can you do intentionally to develop strong relationships so that your kids want to come home, so that they want to be there, they feel that love. I think that's really important to to find that that those things that will help you accomplish that. Yes. So as we think about um, this pillar of culture. What's the identity we need to take on, Mom? So, right, with consistency, we talked about how we need to be a pioneer. With content, we talked about how we need to be a guide. With culture, what are we thinking culture, about? Culture, you know what, is a on? little bit different. Culture, we want to be a team player. We don't want to always be the person that's telling the family what to do. We don't always want to be the one that is in charge. And while you're creating a, a family culture... You have to do that a little bit, but your role here mostly is just to participate, to be a team player, to to be a part of those experiences that are going to allow you to learn and to love each other and to create those strong relationships. Um, so let me just tell you that uh, um, we, we just got back from a family reunion and um, it was a wonderful experience as we went and in the 
we would play all day and have lots of activities and things to do. But after dinner, there was nothing really planned. And it was so interesting to just see the family sit down in little groups and people talking and um, catching up on what was happening in each other's lives. And um, for me particularly, there was uh, two instances when, um, you know, going camping, it was a camping trip. We were up in the mountains and, um, for my family, going camping, we love to do, but it's very difficult because our, of our son in a wheelchair. And there's just, no matter how good the campground is, there's just always places that a wheelchair can't go. There's going to be roots in the ground that he can't get over, or there's rocks in the way, or, or you know, there, it's just not easy for a wheelchair to get around. And so sometimes Jacob can get left out of the the action because he can't get there. And it was so heartwarming to me um, one night as as I was just kind of observing what was going on. One uncle particularly went and sat down next to Jacob and sat and visited with him for probably close to an hour. I was just amazed. It was just the two of them. And they sat and they visited and had a great time. Well, then the next night, a similar thing happened. Another uncle sat down and um, took the time to to visit with Jacob and have a conversation with Jacob. And um, I was just so grateful for these um, family members who would see a need and and take an interest in my child. And so after the reunion, I just sent a little note to both of them, just thanking them for their time in um, reaching out to Jacob. And... Um, Interesting enough, the one of my um, brother-in-laws sent a note back and he says, you know, Leslie, he says that conversation was probably the highlight of my um, of the reunion for me. He says, as I sat there and I talked to Jacob and uh, and he allowed my son, um, Luke, to come and sit with me. Now, Luke is probably about 11 and he came and um, was with his dad. He says it was so good for Luke to see Jacob open up and be a little bit vulnerable because that's something that he struggles with. And as he saw Jacob being vulnerable and sharing some really important things, it allowed him to do the same. And he opened up and he says it was such a wonderful experience for me to be able to participate in that discussion and have my son be a part of that and be taught through Jacob's example. And I just thought, you know what, that is what strong family relationships can do for you, for you. It's a multi-generational thing where an uncle can help a nephew who can help a cousin who can help a grandparent. I mean, it's just, it's just such a wonderful, wonderful thing when you have strong family culture. And so it's so worth um, striving for and working for. And um, it takes effort. It takes effort to um, make those relationships. It takes time. It takes sacrifice, but it's so worth it. So, yeah. so I guess, again, you're talking about um, what is our role here. Our role here is to participate, to participate in the culture so that we can add value and we can receive value um, at the same time. I love that. I think that that's a great, a, a fantastic example of this idea of multi-generational, what we're working towards. Um, what's maybe a little bit harder to see is how that fits in with a young family, right? When I think of my little family with, with four kids all under the age of seven, um, especially since I missed out on this trip, right? COVID's been putting a little bit of a damper on things and we live further away. We mm -hmm. just couldn't 
couldn't make it. Um, and, but when I think of like, I love that family and I love that example and I love that I can bring my kids there and that we can be a part of that. But when I think of this little family that I'm creating and how can I create our strong culture, um, you know, one thing that we did recently and I talked about this earlier is that we, we created a list of Jensen family values. And it's been so fun to watch my children take those on and say, you know, and, and it's it's changing them. It's transforming them. We've now talked about what's important to us. So, for example, one of our values is that of being creative um, because, anyway, that's important to us. And we, you know, and it's funny because I have a degree in physics, right? I'm not artsy at all. And I used to think that I was not creative because I was not artistic and I could not do crafts very well. But I've since come to learn that creativity is much more than arts and crafts. Right? Creativity is creating fun games for your children. Creativity is, um, you know, just, you know, being innovative in your problem solving. Right. There's lots of ways we talk, you know, because when we were reading the story of Moroni, again, we talked about how he was really creative and, you know, putting on on uh, armor for his for for all the people or building up um, walls. You know, we talked about how his, he was creative in problem solving. Um, anyway, part of that idea that intentionality of being creative, we've chosen not to get a TV. And we had people over the other day and one of the kids asked, do you have a TV? And we're like, no. And they were <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> they were like amazed. But part of that is because we want to be intentional in fostering creativity. And so my kids play with Legos and they do these things. And then there are times when I pull out my laptop and we watch a movie together um, to say that we don't watch TV at all. It would be false but we are intentional about it. It's not something we default to. Um, and that's something that we've chosen to do. And so that that's an example of of our little family, how you know we're already starting to see the fruits of, I have very creative children who can be in a car ride for 24 hours and they're fine because of that intentionality we've had, right? Um, so that's that's an example of, of your young family. It's gonna look a little bit different, but we we love playing games together. We love building together. We love going on walks together. Um, but creating that, having that vision of where your family, you want your family to go, who you want your family to be, and it can start with just your family. And eventually, hopefully, it grows to your extended family. Um, but in the moment, it is possible to do with just your little little family. This, co- this COVID season for our family has been a joy. It has been a blessing because of the family culture that we have created and that we are continuing to create. Um, I feel very blessed to stay at home. And so the fact that I haven't had to go to work um, has been huge. That's been really a a big blessing. The fact that Scott still has his job and is just working from home has been a big blessing. And so I feel like our our day-to-day really hasn't changed that much with our young children. And it has been so fun just to spend this time together, enjoying each other. Um, So so that's what it looks like with our little family. I think there, Lindsay, when you talk about being intentional is the key. Creating a family culture is going to happen um, whether or not you're intentional. So if you have a certain outcome Mm -hmm. that you want, then you need to be intentional about the activities that you choose to do and the things that you choose to do to help you get there. So that, I think, is is key. When we talk about um, a culture... It's all about being intentional and it's all about creating the culture that you want to have, um, not just letting this culture happen. So 
anyway, I think let, let, let's wrap things up. Let's just kind of review kind of what we went through. So what we're trying to do here is to build a strong converted family. And as we do that, it's really important that we focus equally on all three sides of the triangle, consistency, content, and culture. And as we look at each of the areas that we need to strengthen and focus, um, we want to make sure that all three are equally strong. Um, so if there's one area that you feel like you're a little weak in, then that would be the area that you'd want to start in to start focusing on. Um, and then to remember that, that we have different hats that we wear. As a mother, we're going to play um, different roles. And so we're going to be a pioneer as we try to implement these new systems in our family. We're going to become guides as we focus on what and how we teach our family. And lastly, we're going to become team players as we try to develop that strong family culture. We want to be a part of that. We want to, to be a team and to work together as a team. And, um, and as we do so, that's going to support our family throughout their lives. And so um, we're going to be referring back to this um, idea that these three pillars and and almost all of the things that we're going to talk about are going to fall into one of those categories. And so we we challenge you if there's an area that you need to work on to to go back and look at some of the podcasts that we've done that might fit in one of those um, categories or continue to listen because we're going to continue to to focus on them. Yeah. Yep. So. Again, yeah, remember that you care about your content, your consistency, and your culture um, about becoming a pioneer, a guide, and a team player, because that really will be the framework, the outline that you need to, to do to raise your strong, converted family. Um, and like mom said, even if someone falls away and you can't control that, you can control the strong family that you create. You can control the love that they feel and you can control that they know that you know, just like the stripling warrior mothers, they can know what you know through what you've taught them and through that family that you are trying to create. So remember that your teaching matters and we will talk to you again next week. Bye everybody.